you're so angry you're mm-hmm. because you were influenced by someone who really isn't accepting your boundary. So I jokingly say every time you set a boundary, someone's going to be angry, but it doesn't have to be you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Letting them be angry with mm-hmm. the boundary because that's what is influencing you to go back on your boundary. And the truth is, if you can't adhere to your boundary, you don't have a boundary. You're actually teaching people to keep pushing against you. And that's why it's so difficult because people think, well, I tried to set a boundary, but it didn't work. The only reason it didn't work is you cared more about their understanding than you did about sticking to your boundary. Welcome to CEO on the Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm Gail Lance, and I'm here to help you think differently, solve big problems, and inspire change. It's tough to do on your own and even with a team, but it is possible. So let's get started. Welcome back to another episode. This is a really special episode. I'm excited to have another conversation with one of my most popular recurring guests, Marlene Chisholm. Marlene is a friend and colleague and go-to expert on building better relationships and creating drama-free cultures. She specializes in the area of conflict management and has exceptional insights on the topic that I know that you'll appreciate. Marlene offers popular training courses on LinkedIn learning that you'll want to check out. She's also the author of multiple books. Her latest is From Conflict to Courage, How to Stop Avoiding and Start Leading. You can learn more about her work at MarleneChisholm.com. Now, Marlene and I talk a lot. We've been talking a lot offline about boundaries. When it occurred to me, we need to do an episode on that topic. Boundaries is a term that's thrown around a lot, and it means different things to different people. So it's it's good to think about what it means to you. Defining boundaries is an important aspect of business relationships and personal relationships. Boundaries help establish limits and guidelines for how we interact with other people and how we allow other people to treat us. So as you listen, think about any new boundaries you might need to set or reset and ways to be most respectful of other people's boundaries. Enjoy my conversation with Marlene Chisholm. Marlene, welcome back to CEO on the go. I'm so excited to have you back. Gail, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited too. Yeah, we we have so many conversations. And, and when we're talking normally, we say we should have recorded that that would have been a great episode. But um, this is a topic I know you and I both talked about a number of times. And we said, this is really a hot topic that we want to bring to the audience. And it's on setting boundaries. And as leaders, CEOs and senior executives, that's hard for many people to do. I know you and I, like I said, we've talked about it. So I want to bring the conversation to the public and share some ideas and insights and tips that I think can be really helpful. So why don't, why don't I toss the baton to you and say, what are boundaries and why are they so important to set? Yeah, great, great opening here. Because I think what happens is that so many people don't even understand what a boundary is. And therefore, you hear things like, I've tried to set a boundary, but it didn't work. Or if you're really, truly loving, you don't need boundaries. I've heard that one. And I've heard, I don't even believe in boundaries. It's about confrontation. So unless you're clear about what it means, 
it's really difficult to actually set a boundary that works. So a boundary is something that you control. I also say that it's a frame around your choices, and sometimes it's a line in the sand. So if you don't control the consequences, it's not a boundary. A wish is not a boundary. A plea is not a boundary. Begging someone and telling them how difficult they're making your life is not a boundary. So it's something that you think through and you say, if this happens, then I'm no longer going to, or I'm going to have to do X. It's something that you control. Okay. Well, that's a good distinction. And don't you think like the higher level you go in leadership, the more important it is to become more conscious of the boundaries that you're setting and more deliberate about what you're doing? At least I see that with my clients. (laughs) They can't do what they've continued to do. Yeah, because it's something that we're not aware of. Sometimes we do think that, you know, if, if we're complaining about something or Uh, I've hinted about something, but really boundaries is also part of accountability. And so when you're having a, a conversation about accountability, so often leaders, even at the top level, will feel really good about the conversation because you've finally gotten rid of the difficult conversation. Everybody feels like they're on the same page and there's this kind of kumbaya kind of feeling. And then when the same things keep happening, it's such a blind side and does have to do with accountability, which is a cousin, I think, to boundaries. So how can leaders become more accountable then or make sure that they're setting boundaries that are sticking? Well, just dates is one thing, calendar dates, you know, the next meeting, and and we should expect for these three things to be accomplished, or we should have an answer from the client by this date. And if we don't, then here's what we have to do. Or let's say that someone's not keeping up their sales quota. That's that's an easy one to think about. What's the reason? Is it their skill level? Is it resources? Is it have, have there been some things happen? So we have to be able to say something like a boundary might be if you're not able to get your quota up to this place, we're going to have to do some remedial training or some testing. That would be a boundary. That's saying if this doesn't happen by this time, this is what's going to happen. It's not a question of would you be willing to I'm setting a boundary that you may no longer be appropriate for this job. So boundaries and accountability kind of go hand in hand. That makes sense. And to your point, you have a little more control over the consequences. If this, then that. If this happens, then here are the consequences. Um, It seems like a lot of boundaries are formulated around time when leaders understand how valuable their time is, and they might be used to, to being very generous when they allow people to come in their office or to to chat with them or be on the phone. And so I know a number of them are trying to cut back a little bit or become less available to a point, you know, it's a it's a push pull, because on the one hand, you're supposed to be visible and engaging with your team. But on the other hand, your time is so valuable. And sometimes it can really be getting in your way. So I see time as, as a difficult boundary for a lot of executives to work with, you know, how much of my time will I allow? At every level, it's really difficult for those very reasons that you mentioned. But it's really sometimes as simple as stepping back to say, when do I need to work uninterrupted? And then I set the boundary. I want to be available to you, but not open door all the time. Open door doesn't mean revolving door. And I think that's a distinction. So I see a lot of middle level that struggle with, well, I want to be available. I'm very hands-on. People start coming in and talking about their personal life. And before long, they're not getting their work done and they're not getting paid for extra hours and they're having to work on the weekend to keep Mm -hmm. up on the paperwork. So a good boundary might be 
I'm not going to be available on Tuesdays from 10 to 2 unless it's an emergency. And if so, here's a text. But I'm not going to be answering emails. My door is going to be closed so I can get work done. And that's just a boundary of what you're going to do rather than letting people do whatever they want. I find the most difficult part of keeping a boundary, though, is wanting other people to understand your boundary. And the very reason you needed a boundary in the first place is because they were doing something that was hurting you in some way, productivity or taking up too much time. So a boundary doesn't have to mean that you're angry with someone, but it's just setting a new standard of what I need to do to be effective. And I find that most people will agree to a boundary. And then when the boundary affects them, they get upset and angry and they try to use manipulation to get the person to make an exception. One of the reasons a boundary doesn't work is that you care more about their agreement than you do about keeping your boundary. And that is the biggest reason that boundaries don't work. Yeah. So you can still communicate them because I always thought that was a problem that sometimes people have kind of internal ideas going on or they're going to say, I'm not going to allow this, but they don't necessarily verbalize it or they make it clear to other people. But to your point, even when they do, sometimes people are looking for exceptions. Um, so that can be hard, hard to deal with. And it's kind of like, I'm mad at you because you're mad at me. So when you set a boundary, someone says, yeah, I'm glad to do it. And then they don't adhere to the boundary. Just this one time, I only need your ear this one time. And then you're so angry. You're mm -hmm. angry because you were influenced by someone who really isn't accepting your boundary. So I jokingly say, every time you set a boundary, someone's going to be angry, but it doesn't have to be you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Letting them be angry with mm -hmm. the boundary because that's what is influencing you to go back on your boundary. And the truth is, if you can't adhere to your boundary, you don't have a boundary. You're actually teaching people to keep pushing against you. And that's why it's so difficult because people think, well, I tried to set a boundary, but it didn't work. The only reason it didn't work is you cared more about their understanding than you did about sticking to your boundary. Yeah. And that, that makes sense, especially when you're trying to manage up. Say that you're a leader and you have someone who, who you report to that's asking a lot from you or tends to be more micromanagerial. Sometimes that's a really difficult situation to be in because you want to put boundaries in place. But when it's a reporting relationship like that, kind of managing up, what, what are your suggestions for that? Because I know I've got an idea, but I want to see what you come up with. Thanks yeah. for throwing me that curveball. <laughs> yeah, it's so true because when we're, when we're like setting boundaries with friendships or, or equals, uh, colleagues, it's it's one thing. And, and there's difficulties in each section, but I'm glad you brought up the power structures. And then when you're like with your own team, you have authority, you have power. And so you can say, well, it's going to be angry, but it's not going to be me. But when it's your boss and you have to set boundaries, I think it's a whole different conversation altogether. And the conversation has to be an agreement. It has to be an agreement about what's expected and what you need to be successful. And so the boundary would be more of a decision that the two of you make together. Because let's face it, I, I don't know anyone that's going to like set a boundary with someone two layers above them and say, well, if you're going to be angry. That's just too bad. You yeah. Know, that's not how power works, right? Right. So to be sort of a joint decision more than a boundary and more of an explaining of how this is hurting your work product or your peace of mind or, or your ability to manage the team. It has to be that kind of conversation yeah. and more of a personal boundary. Like perhaps you decide and you get agreement that I'm not going to be answering texts after eight o'clock at, at, at night when I'm home. That's probably going to have to be an agreement of a boundary so that you just follow through. and. 
your trick there is going to be not to look at that email and, or that text and to go ahead and, and call them back. If you both agreed to it, you have to stick to it, even though the pressure will be um, to, to go ahead and give in. So it's really a, at that level when it's your boss, it's about a, a conversation and agreement. And then you've got to follow through on the agreed upon decision where you'll mess up is to want to impress the boss by continuing to give in. Yeah. That's Yeah, I love that idea, especially having it be a joint decision or joint agreement there. And on the flip side of of pointing out how that's hurting is also to point out how this can help to always frame it up in terms of, you know, I've got some ideas on how I think we can work better together. So it's that's just something to add on to to what you've already shared, but but bringing them into the conversation instead of you're just trying to do this independent you know, exercise of putting in place whatever you think will work often backfires. Yeah. And two, I'm glad you said that because the same principle works in a way with, with like, let's say you've let something go on for too long and they're your equal or they're, you know, they're a subordinate. I guess people don't like that word anymore, but that's a word that they work for you. They direct, you know, they report to you. I often recommend that you don't just start a boundary and kind of cross your arms and think this is never happening again. I'm going to show them who's boss. It's really never about that. It's always about owning the part that you played in the dysfunction. So a lot of times it's a conversation and you don't have to have them agree with you, but it's a conversation to say, hey, I wanted to get together, whether it's one person or the whole group, I wanted to get together with the group. And just talk about some shifts and some changes. I've really noticed that I've been, my door has been open. I want to be that hands-on whenever you need me. I want to be that support. What's happening though is I'm not getting my own work done. I'm working weekends and you didn't know that, but that's what's happening. So here's what I'm going to need from you in the future. And here's what I'm going to do on Tuesdays from 11 to 2. I'm going to work on the projects I need to work on. Unless it's an emergency of A, B, or C, I'm not going to be responding. Is everybody, does everybody understand? Most of the time people will say, yes, the problem comes to where when someone wants the exception. Yeah. But that's the way you have to, I think you have to have a discussion and I call it warning people or getting joint agreement because even though everybody agrees at first, they agree because they haven't thought about what that's going to be like not to have that thing they had. That's where the anger is going to come in. But if you had the conversation before and someone gets angry, you can at least say, remember, we talked about this last month at the you know, April 5th meeting and mm-hmm. we all agreed. And this is this is the sacrifice. I know it's difficult, but I appreciate you understanding that I have to keep this commitment. So you don't have to be mad at someone because they get frustrated with your boundary, but it's fair to them to have the conversation before. Mm -hmm. And I like saying, let's try this, you know, over the next month or three months or whatever, let's try this. Because the truth is change is happening so fast and boundaries may need to be reset or reestablished or thrown out, (laughs) depending on what's going on. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of the pilot. Like I'm always recommending three month pilots. Yeah. (laughs) Three months we can revisit. Was it really that difficult for you all or what needs to change? Then people feel more collaborative with the boundary. But you're so right. Everything is changing so quickly that to think that one boundary is going to last more than a year, probably not. (laughs) It may not work at all, but at least you did try it. You stuck to it. You realized it's not going to work. That's too realistic. Because if a boundary is unrealistic, you also won't stick 
stick by it. You might just get one hour to focus on your work instead of three or four. Yeah, yeah. So I know we have some listeners who would consider themselves to be people pleasers, or over deliverers, you know, when it comes to serving their clients, or, you know, other people in their firms or, or organizations. So what advice would you have for people like that who, who really struggle, they know the boundaries are there, but they themselves really want to make sure that they're, you know, doing what they can do to provide the best service and be most responsive, you know, at the end of the day, it really wears them out. And I know that so many are struggling. And so any insights or tips for those, those kinds of people? Really exhausting because part of if you are that person, your value is in harmony and in working mm-hmm. together. The sign in my mind to to see if you've gone too far, are you feeling resentful? Mm, that is a good test. Yes. For some people, they help more than others, and that's just their nature, and they don't feel that drained from it. They feel a little tired, and maybe they like to be the hero, but Mm -hmm. it's really still kind of working for them. So I always look for where are you feeling resentment? Where are you feeling like you're being taken advantage of? That Those are the signs, the internal signs, is that you need to have a conversation and set a boundary instead of avoiding or instead of appeasing and promising something that you can't fulfill. So I think sometimes people that are people pleasers will also be appeasers. And that's when you start creating a lapse in trust. Because if you tell people yes, because you like them to feel good, and you like to see their eyes sparkle, when you start dropping balls, and you're starting to get blamed, that's going to be the problem. So to be able to say to people, I absolutely love to help and I love to be available, but what's happening is I'm dropping balls and I would rather tell you no and be honest about what I can do than mm-hmm. to make you think I can do it when I'm already so you know drawn out. So mm-hmm. it's only the truth of how you're feeling internally and what your capacity is. And if you're gi- if you give in a lot, people are probably going to press you and that's mm-hmm. probably going to make you angry. So anger is always a sign that a boundary needs to happen. Yeah, that's such a good point. I know you and I talk a lot about values, and it seems like boundaries should reflect your your personal values or maybe organizational values. So even, you know, perhaps having more conversation around that from a leadership perspective to queue up any new boundaries that you're wanting to put in place would be something important to do to revisit that there's a purpose behind why we're doing this. Or, or here's something that's important to me. This is one of my values. So I have to to do this. So your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, I love love the question because I, I do a lot around values and divide my life around the values that I think are important. I, I'm thinking of an example. Let's say that you have a meeting that you're having and you've got a top performer that needs to have the limelight and they constantly interrupt the shy person that has great ideas and they just take that stage all the time. You're going to have to set a boundary with that top performer based on the value of respect. So what's happening is there's disrespect happening. And even though they're a great performer, they're living against the values of the of the corporation. So that is where you start to understand accountability, discipline, boundaries based on not personality problems, not you're a bully, based on this is showing up as a lack of respect. Here's what I need from you. And okay. if you do that again, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call it out in the meeting. I'm going to interrupt. That's where your boundary is. I've told you, like, for example, I use this a lot in workshops. If someone's sitting there with their arms crossed and they're rolling their eyes and they're letting out a sigh and they're giving you the meta communication that you're boring me and it's irrelevant, you can actually talk with a person after the meeting to say, I noticed that you... I noticed, I observed that you crossed your arms, you rolled your eyes, you let out a sigh. 
my interpretation is that you disagree. And they're usually going to say, oh, no, 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 I was just cold. No, don't be so sensitive. So then you're going to say, perhaps I am, but this is what I need from you. I need you to, when you disagree or when I perceive that that's happening, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring it up in the meeting so you notice it. You've just now set a boundary about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable in that meeting for the purpose of respecting everybody else and bringing your real issues to the table instead of undermining. Yeah. So that's how it works. It's very subtle, but that's yeah. how it works. That's interesting. You know, I just worked with a team recently, and as a team, they decided they would take a timeout in meetings if issues were becoming too sensitive or if someone may be offended or whatever Whatever the situation is. They created a code word. I forget what the code word was, but they all agreed as a team that when somebody says that word, that's our agreement to take a pause, to reflect, to stop what we're doing. And it's okay, you know, to have a break in our conversation. Because no, that's, that's, really that's yeah. So I thought that was an interesting kind of a form of boundary, if you will, to come up with a code word to, you know, to really help them ultimately work as a team more effectively instead of just getting bogged down in the issue, which would put them on a downward spiral or take them on these rabbit trails. So I thought that I that like was what interesting. You're saying too, yeah. because it shows that boundaries are not just, I'm saying this and I'm keeping you, I'm putting a fence up. It can be agreements. And with yourself, it has to be that way. If I'm making a boundary that when I get upset, then I'm going to like let someone know, I'm feeling so passionate, it's not going to be fair. Let me have an hour break. Let, let's talk about tomorrow. That's a boundary as well. It's just a decision. So boundaries can be co-created. And I really love the example. I think that's a great example, especially in today's heated times where we seem to have a lot oh, yeah. of <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I'm wondering what advice you would have for uh, an executive that knows that they need to probably impose more boundaries or create a boundary where they might feel like they're exhausted or overrun or, um, you know, they're, they're getting a result that they don't want to get that they know that they themselves are, are contributing to. So what, what would be a starting point for someone who hasn't really deliberately thought about this issue like they, yeah, they probably should I, have? And I think that's very common. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I do think it's common. You and I think about this stuff all the time and we yeah. talk about how to help ourselves and help others. Yeah. So we naturally do that because our job requires it. But you know, executives are busy. They got a lot going on. They don't realize they're part of the problem. Same yeah. thing with middle managers. So here's where I always help my clients to get the clarity and the awareness. A couple of questions. I call it leadership clarity. What's happening that should not be happening? What's not happening that should be happening? That gives you the clarity of what is happening or not happening. It gives you the observed behavior because what happens when we're real strung out like that and we know that there's a boundary somewhere, but it feels very nebulous. We kind of work off of our hind brain the, and, and the amygdala, you know, the, mm-hmm. where we start getting real upset and wound up and then it becomes a story. It becomes a narrative. They don't care. They're just, they just pile the stuff on me. They're very inconsiderate. It becomes about intention and personality and uh, assumption and storytelling. So if you can scrap all of that and say, that's normal, that's what we human beings do when we're wound up, but I'm going to answer these questions. What's happening that should not be happening? 
Well, they're coming in late every Thursday and Friday. They're coming in two hours late. If people are even coming to work anymore, right? That may not be a good example. <laughs> right. Like, what's happening? Um, they're leaving these this work unfinished, and then I have to finish it up due to deadline. What if, are they not talking to their the people that report to them, and I'm having to do that because we're going to have a lawsuit if we don't fix it. So whatever's happening or not happening, that right there gives you the start of looking at the situation, and then you say. What part am I playing? Well, I've allowed this. I've covered for them five times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I said, sure, that's fine that you're out of town again during this time of year. So it's about visiting and revisiting where you've been a part of it, of what's happening or not happening so that you can then figure out the boundary. That's a great starting point. I love those questions. I use them a lot too. Yeah, because a lot of people just, they just want something to change, make this stop, right? So... Good. Well, I know that we're almost out of time, but I just wanted to see, first of all, I wanted to revisit your book and give you a plug for your book, because I know that boundaries is just one of many topics that you talk about your book from conflict to courage. And it's been out. How long has it been out now? It's been just a little over a year. Yeah, I was going to say this is this is our third time. And so I was so excited when you first launched your book, and it's been about a year. So I wanted you to just remind people why you wrote the book who it's for, how it will help people, because I know that it will. Yeah, it's the title of it's From Conflict to Courage, How to Stop Avoiding and Start Leading. It started out where I wanted to write a book about difficult conversations that have to do with performance and behavior, how to coach those conversations. And that didn't work out. They asked me if I could write a bigger book about conflict. And of course, once you say yes to something, you start paying attention to it everywhere. You start studying other models and so on. And one reason I really wanted to to write it is because I had this thought, and I, I know that this is true now, but the thought I had was that there is no conflict unless there's an inner conflict first. It's a lot of where we need to work through conflict is our own aversion to it or our fear about what the other person thinks. We have to get at peace with ourselves. So I just started noticing that in almost every corporate problem, I could trace it back to a conversation that should have happened but did not. And it didn't because of the culture or it didn't because of the fear or it didn't because someone wanted to be perceived as nice and they moved people around and there was all this manipulation. And I just thought, these things are human issues. And if it could help a frontline manager, a middle line, or an executive at any level, you can look at this issue and look at it from these different perspectives and get a really good clue about what's going on. And boundaries, of course, is part of of the book. But yeah, for sure. Good. Well, I just wanted to give a shout out to that because that's a great resource that people can find on Amazon or wherever books are sold, as well as checking out your LinkedIn trainings that you're doing that are so popular. So I'm just so glad that we can keep these conversations going. Is there any any kind of final tip or encouragement for people who are struggling with this or who just want to get better at, at creating the boundaries that they need to? Yeah, I would say just strengthen yourself and be okay for people to be upset and even to to recognize where you're not doing it correctly or where it's not really a boundary. And I always say this because none of us are perfect. Even after we've gone through the workshop, we've read the book, we all know the answers in the workshop or while reading the book. So I always say that clarity can change any situation and you can't change something that when you're not clear about what's happening or what where you need to set the boundary. So I would really focus on the clarity and don't get into the personality or that being angry with someone. That's just a side effect of your emotions trying to talk you out of setting the boundary. Mm-hmm. So I just say clarity can change any situation. 
Good. Great insight. Well, again, Marlene, thank you for for joining me a third time. I know that listeners will get a lot out of our conversation today. I'm so glad that we could do this. And it's about the third anniversary of my podcast. So it's very fitting that you be my guest on this episode around this time of year. So again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And for everyone else listening in, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week, putting in boundaries that you need to and doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.